This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week are two fantastic human beings, Brian Murray. Hello. And Nick White. Hey. Thank you both for joining me this week. I'm super excited that you are both here to talk about comic books and everything that we love about comic books, as well as other things about comic books and comic books. So let me ask you a question that I ask every single week. How have you been? And how have comic books been? Brian. I've been pretty good. Um, it's been, I don't know, kind of a slow week. Uh, slow couple of weeks, I suppose, since I was last on the show. Been catching up on some of my backlog, finally. Went through and uh, read all of my giant days that I've been building up. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what to say about giant days that I haven't said before. It's good, clean fun for the whole family. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the whole crew is kind of out in force in these last few episodes, excuse me, these last few issues. The pencils look good, the inks look good, the colors are good. Everything is... Everything's coming at Millhouse. <laughs> Would you recommend this book to someone who doesn't like Lumberjanes? Because obviously I know some people like to draw a bit of a parallel there in terms of publisher, in terms of slice of life, and whatnot. And of course, if you don't read Lumberjanes, I assume you might not be able to answer the question, but... I already asked it, so I mean, there's no going back at this point. I would definitely recommend like picking up the first trade from the library or something. I don't think it's very much like Lumberjanes at all, because it doesn't have any of the like wacko supernatural stuff that Lumberjanes hmm. had going on. It's strictly, well, not not strictly realistic, <laughs> but it takes place in a realistic setting with realistic-ish characters. Okay. They're all kind of they're all kind of like exaggerated parodies of themselves most of the time. I don't know that works for me. So yeah, it's a very grounded book, all things considered. I mean, it is a little wacky at times, but ultimately, it feels like a real life story, which is nice. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I'll uh, I'll look into that next time I'm not a persona non grata at yeah. my local library. So oh, well, if you if you use the uh, the Hoopla yeah. digital service. Uh, they actually put each issue up on there, so you can actually kind of keep up with that issue by issue if you wanted huh. to. Okay. Oh, that's actually pretty nice. Yeah, I, I, I already tried that. Um, I'm going to have to go back to my library in person and uh, pay those fines before uh, before even Hoopla can be cleared. <laughs> it's a long story, guys. It's a long story. Uh, I'll have to answer for what you've done. No, no, Nick, I, uh, I, I beg of you to go into detail about what's happening here with your library, because I think that I've talked to you a couple times about this, and every time I hear like this, the ridiculousness of this it just it makes me giggle beyond like any any reasonable okay. thing so please tell I us this story I, I about why you are I not allowed back at your library engages in certain um <sighs> I, I will couch this in 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 ambiguous terms uh to some extent um so uh i used to work at the library when i was in high school and to some extent i believe in my first summer coming back from college and um, so I stacked shelves and did all that stuff and blah, blah, blah. And no, I won't name what library it was. And uh, um, there are certain perks that come to working, uh, come with working at a library, one of which is that you can sort of just check out stuff and kind of, or at least at the time, maybe this isn't true anymore, you could basically just check out stuff and kind of keep it for as long as it necessitated, provided you weren't being, you know, really egregious, I suppose. 
And, um, and then what they would do is just, you know, clear the, you know, extra little bit of fines that you would, you know, uh, rack up. Um, and, uh, problem is that when I, um, left the library, um, cause I needed to go make, uh, mo monies cause I wanted to have less problems, uh, <laughs> going into my second year of college, some um, I don't know, uh, red tape kind of showed up or something happened, miscommunication abounded, I don't know what, and uh, I didn't get those fines cleared, and it's not an insane, insane amount, but it's enough that, on principle, I don't want to pay it. It's not rational, um, really. <laughs> not 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 me being fined. The me being fined part is rational. The me part where I'm refusing to pay the fines uh, is not rational. Um, and because of that... The thing is... Yeah. Okay, Nick, you are downplaying this so much because I think when I talked to you and asked you about it, you were just like, oh, no, Mike, yeah. I can't go back there. I, I can never show my face yeah. in that place ever again. I thought you would <laughs> kill someone or, like, burn <sighs> books inside yeah. the library. And it turns out you just owe yeah. some fees. Like, you made it seem like you've got an actual bookman from Seinfeld yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. hunt you no. down to, to get you to pay no. these fees um, or something. No, no one's, no one's hunting me down. They haven't used a collection agency, although if anyone is listening there they're probably um no we're 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 not at that point we're just at the point where i can't really <laughs> check out or uh you know engage in a normal library fashion um until this is dealt with so uh instead i've just decided to develop an unbridled <laughs> hatred of, of of um america's public libraries and the uh um and the services that they provide <laughs> maybe we could like Put out a call to the listenership <laughs> Starting, or something and see if we can get them to try to crowd get a campaign going. to, to yeah. pay off your yeah. library fees. The, the, the fees that shouldn't even That'll be, be part there. Of, okay. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, because they forgot to clear them. Right. That's, yeah. what, that's what it was. But anyways, how have you been, Nick? How is, well, how have comments well, things were fine reading? Until uh, about four minutes ago. <laughs> until we opened up this Until you, uh, yeah. you know, blast from the past like eight to nine years ago. Oh, uh, it's been that long. See, and that's the it's <laughs> see, that's, that's what I don't understand. How has it been eight or nine years? You still live in this city. <laughs> I I think I'm the only person that finds this funny. I'm sorry, everyone. No, I do too, and I'm not crying about it. Um, so I've read a few things in the last week. Not as much newer-ish stuff. Uh, a lot of it's been kind of trades and whatnot. Um, I didn't end up getting into my shop. Normally it's two weeks between sessions, but this time it was three, so I'm a little bit behind on some stuff. But uh, I read Super Sons number one. Um, that's from Peter Tomasi and uh, Jorge Jimenez. Um, really fun, bright, energetic DC book that actually features young characters that actually doesn't ship every month. Um, yeah, it's a rare breed and I appreciate it for that. Who knows, uh, if DC policy holds true, um, they're going to ratchet it up by a dollar, I think maybe next month, but I guess we'll wait and see. Oh boy. But yeah, this is, uh, Damian Wayne, AKA Bruce Wayne's son. Uh, the one that Talia Al Ghul left on his doorstop at age 13 because he was just being insufferable. Um, and uh, 
<laughs> true story. Yeah. And and he and he carried on with the Exactly. The Bruce didn't uh break him of that, that's for sure. And uh Alfred is just a fucking pushover, so I mean, come on. And uh so it's him and Superboy, also known as Clark Kent's son, also known as one of those Jor L Cal L something hyphen something L uh names that I can't remember. Uh but it's that guy. And basically, it's a great book because yeah. it more or less reinforces why uh, Damian Wayne should always be homeschooled and never allowed into a public schooling institution, <laughs> which is what Superboy goes to. And uh, Damian shows up and sees that Superboy is like, oh, man, these kids are picking on me, and I could pretty much incinerate them, but it's tough, and I won't do it. And then and then Damian is like, I will fucking hurt this kid. It doesn't really matter to me. I'll do it. Um uh, short story, uh, he does, and because um, that's Damian Wayne, uh, surprise, and it's really just a lot of fun, uh, the two of them's kind of teaming up, and you've got Damian, who doesn't have any powers, but like, clearly he's got a pretty firm handle on this superhero thing, and uh, Jor-El, Kal-El, Clark Kent's son, Superboy, who is clearly largely capable of doing a lot of different things, except he hasn't really honed his power set yet. He can't fly. He can only kind of jump, and but doesn't really understand the whole being a hero and, and whatnot. And the first issue ends with the two of them deciding they're going to break into Luther Corps. Is it Luther Corps? It's Lex Luther's company. I think it's Luther Corps. And they're kind of scaling the building, and then Luther shows up in his big armor suit, and he's like, what are you kids doing? So hijinks abound, and it's starting to feel like a like Scooby-Doo, you meddling kids kind of thing, uh, which is great. Uh, really enjoying it. Dustin Nguyen variant covers help a bunch, too. I read Descender 19. Uh, I want to be really vague about this, but I also kind of want to bring this up. Uh, I still don't really understand how the whole swaparoo hijink that hijinks that we had about three or four issues ago actually happened. It still doesn't seem believable to me. I don't really understand how it happened. Those who aren't caught up, I'm hoping that really won't uh, make any sense to you. I guess that would be good. Those are who those of you who are caught up, uh, please tell me how it happened because I don't understand. Uh, also, Jeff Lemire goes and says, "Hey, remember last arc when I did just." all basically backstories in that arc and you were like what's going on well what about i take one of those stories and bring it back into the present in a real tragic and terrible terrible way so that happened too um let's talk about snowfall 8 as well while we're on it uh Oh boy! Yeah, I'm not certain I've ever fully understood this book. Full disclosure, um, <laughs> this was probably the last big clunker book where I really strongly was excited for this book, and I think the graphic art and design, for the covers and everything helped. Uh, and it's just been a real clunker. And maybe, maybe I, I, Joe Casey and I just don't operate. We weren't. We're not vibing on the same wavelength as those dirty hippies would tell you. Uh, would be the uh, reasoning, and uh, is it Joe Harris? Harris? Man, I flip these two. Yeah, it's all Joe the Harris. Fucking time. If you're certain, uh, I wrote down Casey and went and went. I am. Yeah. What if it's Joe Harris? And I was like, look, you got to stick to your guns. If you weren't sticking to your guns, you'd be back at that library <laughs> pay- paying your fines off. So. I mean, <laughs> 
so yeah, I, I used to at least understand who I thought was the good guy in this book. Now I don't even know who the good guy is. So unless this book is trying to make a we're all bad guys sort of message, which I don't think it is, um, God, I hope the last issue of this, which I think is going to be nine, will make some sense. Otherwise, I don't know. I'm rereading James Bond again by Warren Ellis, Jason Masters. Really like that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warren Ellis brings his own flavor to James Bond and isn't afraid to make things very different from what we're used to in terms of, like, the first eight pages are just, like, silent. Like, this is not a talky, quick, you know, quick quips sort of Bond. Um, he's very much like Craig in the sense that... Um, violence get gets things done and sometimes that violence isn't pretty and it's the sort of sh- shit that like her royal majesty would probably not uh condone or at the very least cringe at hearing about um so there's that and uh and of course it also makes fun of bond's preferred firearm uh which i thought was kind of funny as well amongst other things uh, but the big book I really want to quickly talk about is the Centron Files. Uh, this was offered up in, I believe, the De La Corps. Yep, that's French, which means that was definitely said wrong. Uh, comic Salon. Delcor. 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 Oh. Delcor. I am. A D. I am adding. It's, I am. Adding yeah, you're letters. adding an extra syllable. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good look at me. I can't read. Um, so this was in the Comicsology science fiction sale, and basically it's like, hey, it's the future. Surprise, global warming. Uh, it actually happens, and shocker, it gets worse. Um, sea levels are high. Um, pollution is bad. There's shortages for everything you can think of, and the population is way too high. And so the government implements this system um, uh, cleverly or, uh, you know, uh, suspiciously called egalitarian control, under which 1% of this megalopolis's uh, population is removed, uh, euphemistically removed, uh, every year to the tune of about 400,000 people. It's and there's so a group dark. of people that, yeah, and there's a group of people that are tasked with this that are called weasels. And we follow a character who is a weasel, um, but seems to think that the computer that is supposed to be randomly picking people to remove isn't quite so random. So, I mean, let's be clear here. This is not about the computer figuring out who the quote-unquote dregs of society are and removing them. It's literally supposed to be a total game of chance. So it doesn't actually matter if you're a criminal or not. You're, you know, you're horses in the running or whatever you know expression you want to use uh you're still susceptible except for these weasels who have this the tracking chip in the back of their head removed and they are not um they're exempt from this process as well as there's like a short list of other things including police and political officials who are currently in office once you leave office you're no longer immune so it's interesting that was volume one there's two more volumes it's european which means it's fucking weird and it's like 60 pages and they come out in 60 page issues but they come out a lot less frequently and everyone's (laughs) like well this is what we need to switch Mm -hmm. to um so yep that's uh that's what i read interesting uh it was uh it was interesting and i have the other two volumes lined up which uh very excited to read those as well so cool yeah i remember you sent me yeah you sent me the link to that and i was very interested i i almost bought it that's that's how interested i was yeah it's cool it's dark yeah, i know i i know i've read a delcourt book before um blanking on the name of it was right it now, was it the one with the mech suits i can't remember the name of that one 
Um, was it Global World World War One or was something? It Iron Squad. I know there no. were Universal War One. Was it Husk? I I don't remember. <laughs> let's well, just, let's just keep listening. Listeners, that we please think are uh, tweet French. at us names of Delcor titles, and eventually we'll get to the bottom of this. I swear. <laughs> Once you're done, pay off my library fines. <laughs> it's more than you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's IRC uh, podcast on Twitter. Alice Matheson. Is that like a okay. name? Or is that one? Don't know what that is. That's it's a I name. I've never heard of that one. Okay. I luckily I still have that document I was talking about. Open mic, the one that I have all of my comic books. Nice. On. No, they're really serious about their science fiction. I'll I'll, I'll give it to them. The stuff is pretty hardcore Absolutely. shit. Um. So yeah, if I remember right, it was good and weird. So I like the way the French think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to quote cool. George Michael, or to b- butcher a George Michael quote. So so for me this week, seeing that we've t- taken up a little bit of time already, I'll just quickly get through some of the lists that I read. Uh, Batwoman number one. I read the the new uh, Marguerite Bennett and Steve Epting book, which is really cool. I feel like I'm missing a beat. I feel like I need to read the detective comic stuff that led up to this series. I don't know who this woman is that's supposed to be the Jarvis or not Jarvis, the uh, Alfred. Like, Alfred to Batwoman's uh, Batman or whatever, but it's <clears throat> it's there's a lot of questions. Maybe that'll get explained. It's, uh, supposedly this woman is related to to Alfred. Oh, is I, this I his know. daughter? Um, Are they keeping his daughter around? Oh, yes. she played a huge part I think in so. um, Bloom. If you read the, I haven't. So I haven't gotten oh. through all of Scott Snyder's run, so maybe I just need okay. to read a little bit more Batman in general to get it. But dude, that's awesome. They kept her around, dude. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a cool book. Uh, Epting's art is top notch, and there's a good mystery afoot. And I'm all on board. I read Black Canary and Zatanna Bloodspell. Uh, someone I work with recommended this book, and I figured I'd give it a try. It's a nice hundred pages um, of story about Zatanna and Black Canary, and it's pretty cool. I I had no, I've never really read anything with either of these characters in their like quote unquote original old whatever style and i think this book was <laughs> was a cool thing like it wasn't the new black canary like that annie Wu did and i haven't read anything with zatanna the only bits i saw were in that bad JLD. constantine series i don't know oh, so yeah. i i hadn't read anything with either of them and it was it was a nice little like these women are here to kick your butt story and i i liked it uh that was a really weird book because that was a pure ogn like that was yeah. never released in any other format and so i kept hoping that someone would give me feedback on it but it's like how many people know other people that are actively reading ogns and it's like nobody yeah and so for an original story that was if, if read really fast i didn't like it's one of those books that i didn't realize out the i was at the end until it hit me um because for some reason in my head i expected it to be serialized so i expected there to be pauses by the time I got to the end of the story, it was like a very pleasant round off of the story. They like got it all done um, without any hiccups throughout, and the art was super top notch. Joe, Kino, I don't I'm not, Kienis? I can't, Kienis, thank you. Uh, his art was superb. Like I would put it at the same level as uh, oh, what's his name on, on Paper Girls? Why am I blanking on this? Cliff uh, Chiang. Cliff Chiang. Like it's it's that level of 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 good. It's it's that similar kind of style. Um, thick lines with very like pastel colors. It's really well done book. I know uh, him I, because he drew the lucky green lantern on the front of my Lucky Charms box. Oh. That was him. <laughs> I see. That was him. I see. <laughs> uh, I also read John Flood number one, which is this weird little 
like I read the first issue and it's of a six issue miniseries by Justin Jordan and George Coelho. Coelho? I don't know. Butchering last names today. It could be Jorge. I may be pronouncing everything wrong today. We're everything today, guys. Everything. everything. French, Spanish. Don't throw any more languages at us today. This is. I need this is monosyllabic too much. English words and names, please. <laughs> I need phonetics, phonetics no, can... pronunciations like they have in the Oscars envelopes. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can we can barely handle the one language exactly. that we all speak. Right. Uh, so John Flood is it's it's a mystery detective story. A man who doesn't go to sleep has a million hobbies, and because of that, he's a detective or something. The first—I don't hmm. know how to describe this first issue. It's—it's very—it was very pushy in like what it was trying to do, but I didn't hate it because of that. Usually, I do. If that's a—that's a weird way to describe it, but it's a detective story, and I'm on board to at least try the next five issues. The first issue was in CU, so I just picked it up because it looked pretty. The graphic novel just dropped pretty recently. So it's a, it's a more modern book, but I this totally totally flew under the radar for me. I hadn't heard of Justin Jordan doing this, um, and I'm usually try to keep up with what he's working on because I kind of like his writing. Uh, I also read X Men: God Loves, Man Kills for a separate book club. I love this book; it's the best. I, though I'm not going to say anything else. You should read this book. It is one of the most important comic books out there, as far as superheroes are concerned, at least. And it's it tells a very solid story in like 70 pages. It's fantastic chris claremont knows how to write x-men and he should write them for forever i can i'll just say that finally though i did read all of rat queens all of it every issue that's been out and released wow uh including the new number one uh so 16 issues um from the previous run the new number one and the little mini book that came out that had all the web comics in it that uh curtis wybe and a handful of different artists had released I am so mad at number at the number one that came out. I want to cry and scream. And I don't well, don't want to spoil it, but I'm so mad. They just time skip. They just skipped everything. They don't explain anything, and nothing makes sense. And my blood is boiling just thinking about it because they just <sighs> sixteen. You do ends have X Men on the brain, so it could just be <laughs> yeah, just a well, residuals. Requiem's number sixteen ends in the middle of a of a story arc. It's the, after the first issue in a story arc. And then the new number one picks up and just skips everything. And I, like, they are connected. I thought, oh, we're going to get a new Rat Queens. No, they are connected. It's a continuation. And nothing okay. is explained. So I'm giving this book a chance to explain itself for at least another two or three issues. Otherwise, I'm dropping it. And I'm so mad about that. I was going <sighs> to say, does this make you mad enough that you are actually encouraging that our listeners not pick this up and try it out? Or or how, how bad is if, this book? If you, I think if you hadn't read Red Rat Queens before, you could pick up this number one and have a good time. Probably. Really? Probably. As a complete newcomer, you think this book is approachable? Yeah, I think so. Huh. It's, it's, there is some questions you'll have no different than any other new number one, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I think you could survive just picking up the number one, having not read the previous series. But as I, I, Rat Queens has always been pretty good about that in the yeah, past, though, too. I think, yeah. Where, even even if you started at like the third trade that came out or something, I mean, there's a few questions, but that book almost even has to pick up any given issue, and you'll probably get in lockstep real fast anyway. Um, yeah, but my attachment to the series and not seeing that story being finished just makes my head want to explode. 
Like it's it's like if you were watching a TV series and for some reason three issues or three episodes at the end of the you know mid-season break just weren't there and then you started after the mid-season break and some revelation happened you don't know what it was. That's essentially where this number one left me having just read one through 16. So little frustrated but <laughs> I will leave it there. There's a whole mini-sode worth of ranting that I could go into so I won't. Anyways comic books come out on March 22nd, not March 23rd. Thank you, Brian. 2017. What are you both excited for? I'll, you know, I'll just, I'll throw back to you, Nick. Uh, for me, it was actually real tough to pick a book this week because it was a, a real three-way tie for a little bit there between Bloodshot Reborn number zero, which is going to be the one shot that's going to hold us over until the fall when I think we're going to get Bloodshot Salvation. Uh, between that, uh, Brian Wood's Rebels coming back, although this time it's Rebels, colon, these free and independent states, because why just keep numbering your issues when you can add a colon and an extra subtitle and restart the numbering and confuse people? Oh, yeah. Um, but And maybe that's why that book didn't win, Brian, so think about that. Um, <laughs> pick of this... Pick of the week goes to Exo Man of War number one, even though I think it's somewhat being stylized in some publications as just Exo, because Valiant also likes to rename their books, but it's Valiant, so I'm playing favorites and excusing it with this title. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so this Exo Man of War number one, it's written by Matt Kent. Anyone who listens to this show should know that I currently bankroll, you know probably two percent of matt kent's you know finances at this point <laughs> and uh on art it's a uh, thomas giorello um who is sort of a relative new uh newcomer for valiant he began with them on bloodshot reborn when they were doing the bloodshot island arc did a really good job style is somewhat similar to clay man or miko suwayan uh and so it's 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 good um I picked this book because Exo has always been a part of the Valiant universe for me alongside Harbinger and maybe one or two other itty bitty things that has never really struck a chord with me. I've never really found him that interesting, um, which has always been made more tragic from the perspective that he seems like a character being a man out of time, being someone who, you know, really isn't familiar at all with the the culture and the technology and and all of these different things going on, um, that you think that there would be a lot more personal drama to eke out of that. But I've always felt that Robert Venditti has told a great space epic, told a great um, sort of action title, um, and giving it a little bit more of a, th- you know, three dimensions, if you will, but it's never really been what I've wanted out of it. And I mean, Valiant doesn't need my help with this book because the publicity campaign for this title, I think, has probably been as big as anything else I've ever seen, really, from Valiant. Um, and so I'm really willing to give it a try. Um, I think Kent will be able to flesh out the character, and and yes, of course, it does seem like we're going down the typical path of uh, what is Exo Man of War without his armor, or what sort of person is he? Is he still a soldier? Is he still a Visigoth? You know, how does he respond to things? And we have him on some far-flung planet, like I said, stripped of the armor and attempting to maybe fight off injustice of the you know, the local populace from the government that's attempting to kill them. I don't know. I haven't I haven't looked at all of it because I'm, you know, intentionally trying to 
Um, I mean, there's a lot of information out there, and I kind of want to go in blind, at least a little bit. Um, right. But it's 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 interesting because I think they're trying to carve out a path for him that, again that works because in recent years whenever there's a big event whether it's um you know of any of the bigger sort of summer things that they've had going on um <laughs> exo manowar is always off on another planet or he's on like a planned sabbatical in the himalayas <laughs> or something always and it's like well we tried to hail exo manowar but he's busy and we really don't want to bug him he needs his personal space so i guess we'll just have to fend off this threat to humankind all by ourselves is if anyone because, has his is yeah. that because exo could just easily fix it like he's so oh, it's because exo is a hardcore he's like a boss man he's a yeah, he's a Iron Man times ten or whatever you want to call it. Um, sure, sure. He's crazy, 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 crazy powerful. That uh, suit of armor is insane. And while I still really like the idea, and I think it's probably why he possibly isn't wearing the armor anymore. That the more that the armor quote unquote heals you and fixes you, the more it replaces your organic body with its organic material until you become a basically a husk for the armor itself. Right. Yeah, I, I still think that this is probably the right uh, direction to take with this book. Gotcha. Well, Brian, what are you excited for this week? For me this week, it's all about uh, the new Star Wars miniseries going on. We've got uh, Darth Maul oh, yeah. Oh, miniseries. Yeah. Mike's got thoughts that on is, that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't actually read the first issue okay. yet. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll be frank about that. Kate is like at the comic store right now picking it up. Kate, my fiance. Not yes, Kate can you show. call her right now and just ask her to give a brief, like, hot take on? Just ask her. Uh, <laughs> I'll just have her like read it. Into oh, the he's microphone. fighting someone again, Brian. Brian. Oh wait, he's winning. Brian, he killed the guy. Okay. <laughs> 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 that's uh, that's Cullen Bunn with uh, pencils by yeah, Luke Ross. Yeah. I've always enjoyed Bunn in the past. I've never, I've never sought out a book by Cullen Bunn. But I've always like read a book and gone, that was good, and then seen Colin Bunn on the cover and gone, okay, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I, I feel you there. That makes sense. Um, but just between that and like all of the Star Wars miniseries have been good mm-hmm. so far. I think that some of them have been better than others. I was going to say, Brian, now I'm curious. If you're going to call all of them good, I want to hear what you say is the worst. Uh, my least favorite was Chewbacca. Okay. Interesting. Okay. I was curious. All right. Interesting. I think I think that Lando has the top slot for me. All right. Mm, I just grabbed Lando, that. Lando or Han Solo. Okay. Oh, man. That Han Solo book. Oh, boy. Yeah, I really like that one. Is that a good, yeah. that a good <laughs> boy? Yeah, yeah I really it was the same it. way Brian was like, I don't know how to react because he might be mad. No, no, no. I really enjoyed it. I, I actually was surprised at how much I enjoyed that book. They, I, I think Tia said that Marjorie Lou's Han Solo was very peak Han Solo. So I And I totally agree. Yeah, and really, all in all, I've been really happy with the way Marvel has been doing the bulk of their mm-hmm. Star Wars stuff. I haven't, I've, I've not been reading the main Star Wars comic, but between all these miniseries and then like your Poe Dameron's and your Dr. Aphra's, I, it's to the point now where when a new Marvel Star Wars comic comes out, I know I'm going to get the right. first issue. If not, if it's a miniseries, I'll probably get the whole thing, even if it's not right. great. Right. This is how they get you. Yeah, I'm an addict, <laughs> and they're, they're peddling yeah. my goods. So. 
Cool. Well, yeah, I, I really liked Star Wars Darth Maul number one, so we'll have to talk after you read the first two issues, and, and I read the second issue as well. And we'll I'll, I'll send you an upset text message <laughs> later tonight. <laughs> can... Perfect. Uh, for me, I'm very excited about Black Hammer number seven. We're getting the origins of the character Black Hammer, which is going to, I'm sure, add more questions to the bag of already existing crazy weird things that are happening in this story that I have questions about already. Dean Ormston's art has been incredible since the first issue. Dave Stewart on colors, absolutely top top notch. This this man is a, is an absolute treasure when it comes to colors and I think he's been like really hitting it out of the park with this series in particular. I mean, you know I've seen Dave Stewart on plenty of other books, but in this one in particular, the color work that he does is outstanding. Uh, Jeff Lemire's story is, as expected, very, very good, and I like the the amount of backstory and like current drama that we get while slowly revealing the mystery of this book. Why are these characters stranded in this weird small town, and what happened to them being superheroes, which is kind of the synopsis of the book, and it has been the focus of the story with little microplots happening here and there to try to give you a little bit of backstory, and the annual helped a lot with that as well. So it, it's, it's a really, this is going to be, a, I think, a really cool, long-running book, and I hope that it can, like, it's selling well because I need to know what happened, and I need it to be told in the right amount of time. I, I don't think if you rush this book, it would be as, uh, as strong of a story um, than if it had had the time to actually build and slowly reveal things, similar to the same way that Sweet Tooth did. I think that in a, in some ways, Sweet Tooth has, has had a same kind of delivery system in that it ran long-term, and by the end of the book, you got a really cool understanding of the world and why things happened, um, because at the beginning, it was 100% questions, and that's, that's how this book has worked as well. So I'm truly enjoying this book it's one of my top picks every every time like it's always at the top of my list to read so i really hope to see more and more of this very excited about this book our show this week is all about where do you draw the line when it comes to dropping a comic? How long do you go or how long do you give a book before you drop it? And really, what makes you drop a book? What is that one thing that just kind of sets you over and say, all right, I'm done with this. I'm going to tell my shop, I'm going to cancel it on Comixology, or I'm just going to not look for it when I go to the comic shop every week. I've got some opinions. I think Nick and Brian have some opinions. So I'll, I'll throw it to you two, or I'll throw it to Nick or to Brian, whoever wants to start. Uh, what's making you drop a book when you're looking at your pull list or you've been looking at your pull list for the last year I know we've talked about calling our pull list and where we draw the line with that switching over to trade but this is just straight up dropping a comic so what are your thoughts on this guys uh i mean for me i i went ahead and i actually looked up um me mailing in my order forms to my shop just to see how many books i had cut in the last year out of pure curiosity and i've only cut four believe it or not, four books between over the last 12 months. Um, but to clarify, when I when I say cut, I mean books that were on a formal pull list. I don't mean like my Hero County or my Omega Men where I just kept grabbing it, you know, as the psychological act of self, self-deception, you know, not adding it onto the pull. <laughs> I mean books that were formally added onto a pull mm-hmm. and that they were cut before their natural end point. Um whenever that was. And so for me, that was Bob's Burgers, Nowhere Men, 
The Simpsons and Southern Bastards. Those were my four. Okay. Um, and I can, you know, for starters, I think I can at least give you one reason for one, and then maybe Brian has some other, you know, input on, on other ones. Um, for me, at least, uh, Bob's Burgers, for example, um, the book couldn't fucking decide whether or not it wanted to do, like, one story for the issue and it was self-contained and then they couldn't decide if they were going to do one story for the issue and then have it be a serialized narrative uh, and then they couldn't decide if they wanted to tell three to four different stories within one issue and then have each of those three to four stories be serialized over the course of three to four more issues which i mean it's bob's burgers it's not high level intensity esoteric plotting okay it's like low level (laughs) jokes which i enjoy but that means that you don't stretch those out over three to four issues i can't follow it so Mm -hmm. when they kept switching up the format all over the board about how they wanted to tell stories i said that's it call up my shop i'm done and you know um sometimes books like this survive if i'm just not at a point where my pull is like at a breaking point but sometimes as is the case with um simpsons as well uh, sometimes it's not a bad book that gets cut uh if you truly believe in you know keeping tabs on your pull and only reading stuff you want to read sometimes uh, push comes to shove um, and you can insert that quote from, you know, Dark Knight about, you know, brick walls hitting firm objects or whatever Heath Ledger says. Um, everyone knows what I'm talking about. And unstoppable force yeah. meets an Thank you, Brian. Object. That's the one. And um, <laughs> sometimes you're just you're just the lowest rung on that ladder. That's it. You're just the lowest rung. You're the good book amongst great books. And you're going to get cut. Um, that's just how it happens, really. Uh, so those those are just some scenarios for some of my books in terms of um, why they get cut. Uh, I can go more into why that list seems so low in a little bit and sort of maybe encourage other people to embrace the same practices so they're not dealing with a lot of this. But, I mean, Brian, what about you? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I certainly know what you mean. A lot of the time it'll be – it'll come to a point where I've been reading a book and I'll kind of recognize that I'm just reading it out of habit at this point. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And oh like, my goodness. That's that's what happened to me with, like I know we, we always had fun with me and Squirrel Girl, but I dropped it a while back now because, like the stuff that was funny and cute and that like I loved about it in the first issue after picking up like sixteen issues of Squirrel Girl, like yeah, they were still relying on like the same basic formula and. I just got sick of it. I mean, that's just a strong argument for having the miniseries, really. Honestly, the more and more over the last year, year and a half, for me, it's like miniseries is the way to go. Like, don't overstay your welcome. But, I mean, it's Marvel. They're not going to do minis. Well, yeah. And, I mean, I'm sure there are some formulas that could sure, work. Like, sure. there, I'm sure that there's a way you could get a formula at comic book that's good for 300 issues. But when your formula is reliant on, like haha isn't that goofy and yeah. weird like like squirrel girl was it's just that's a that's a gimmick that was great for like the first run of squirrel girl before they renumbered mm-hmm. it like if they just stopped making it after that point then i think that we could have parted on good terms <laughs> me and squirrel girl and, instead of that other quote from the dark knight rises about uh becoming the villain <laughs> oh oh no <laughs> 
Oh, I thought you were going to go into like the like why do we fall, Master Wayne? Except I think that's <laughs> Batman Begins. Uh. Oh man, Mike, I'm curious to see how you're going to tie the Dark Knight into uh, into oh, your, no. your drops. I, I, I've I don't, I've come down to this to this point in comic books where I usually try to give a book an arc. Um, I, I I should say that that's not true because it's fifty fifty. Really, if I'm looking at the list of books that you I've listed, fifty from, issues. No, no, no. It's it's 50-50 and half and half. Sometimes... I know what you meant. Sometimes I, I'll try for an arc, right? Like, a lot of the times I do that with image books. Image books have a different way of storytelling a lot of, a lot of times, so I'm willing to give them a little bit more give than I will, say, a Marvel book or a DC book. Like, for instance, the there was the... I don't know, Deadly Class. Let's let's just get on that Rick Remender train early tonight. Um, and, you know, Deadly <laughs> Class bored. is a book. I, I know I brought this up and told this story many, many times on the show already, but uh, Deadly Class was a book I really wanted to like. I was loving everything Rick Remender was doing at the time. I picked up this series, thought it was going to be cool, assassinations, blah, blah, blah. I gave it an arc, and it turned into a totally different story, and then I dropped it, you know? Yep. I know there are a lot of people out there that still really love this book, and I'm not saying that nope. it's a bad book by any means. It just wasn't for me. And I think that's what it comes down to with a lot of these books is when I give them an arc, I want to feel out if the story is going to be something that I really like. And I, I, I've got a couple other books like Rumble. I gave this book 10 issues, and I realized that, like Brian said, I was reading this out of habit. My heart wasn't in the book. I didn't really care about the characters. I liked the art style a lot, but the book ultimately just did not have a hold on me, um, like some other books that I'm reading. You know, like I've been I've been reading Invincible for years, and that book has had a hold on me since the beginning. Um, and, I mean, even to think about more recent books, like the... Oh, I'm not... I, I'm blanking, whatever. But nonetheless, the it, a lot of these books, I'll give them an arc and then I'll drop them. Or, on the flip side, I'll give them one issue and really a lot of times I'm just not feeling it right off the bat. Like something about the pacing or the story style or the art or even just the the tone of the book just rubs me the wrong way. Like the Jeff, or the Jeff Steinberg book that Nick told me to read, I, I picked up the first issue um, on a high recommendation from Nick. Yeah, um, and the, yeah. the the word high is very important because I'm not sure if you were high when you recommended this book because oh, yeah. just did that. Uh, Got him. Xander, I, this uh, is a- Vuvuzelas and or air horns, your choice. Editor's <laughs> <laughs> <is your> choice. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the, this book was was very weird, and the first issue felt so gimmicky, so wacky, so good. Classic, just stupid Fun. guy becomes the savior <laughs> of the world. I'm like not into that kind of story at all. I can watch movies for that. I can watch tons of television for that. Comic books need to be at least a little different, or at least try to be. Um, and not to say they don't follow the same tropes because they totally do. And I'm not trying to like be polarizing and shitty about comic books and tv but this book did not hook me i'm unfortunately like this is just one of those books where i was just by the end i was like what the hell is this and i i remember just thinking maybe i'll give it a number two and then totally forgot about it there's just there was no chance in hell that was happening because sometimes i'll, I'll try a number one like i just buy a single issue off of like digital a lot of the times or i'll pick up a number one from the shop and if I like it, I'll pre-order the next one. I'll like 
get ready for the next issue, but not for an ongoing, like, this is going to be a part of my pull list thing. And I'll keep doing that, like, you know, to, to get a pre-order, because digital's nice like that, where you can just kind of pre-order the next one and not have to worry about it. But this mm-hmm. one, I remember seeing the pre-order the next issue, and I was like, this ain't happening. <laughs> Close yeah. the window. Nah, man, that ain't me. That nah. ain't me. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. It's it's the, it's the all about tone a lot of the times. Like, if a book rubs you the wrong way in a first issue, it's like, how is it going to redeem itself? But I don't know. I That's a little bit different than kind of what I think you guys were talking about. I, I usually go for an arc. That's my usual baseline is I'll try an arc of something. Um, and mm-hmm. then if it's highly recommended and I didn't think I was going to like it before it came out and then someone after it comes out gives it a high recommendation, I'll usually try the one issue. And if the first issue doesn't sell me, like, for instance, Citizen Jack was a book that Sam Humphreys and Tommy Patterson did. And I remember seeing a ton of praise for it by actual by other comic creators um, mm-hmm. that I follow on Twitter. And I was like, sure, okay, I'll give this a try. This book looked weird. It's like this random guy out in the middle of nowhere. He's kind of a deadbeat. He runs, he owns some store, he works at some store, and he has he makes this deal with the devil to essentially become president. And it's fucking batshit. Like, the whole book is batshit. Like, Jeff Steinberg wild and kind of weird and kind of tropey citizen jack is like way out there batshit insane absurd little offensive kind of and i just wasn't <laughs> feeling it so i don't know that's okay. it's out there one officer our whole thing too yeah and i think i think what a lot of this whole argument goes back to i mean if you want to say you know point point to comicsology, point to digital comics is that a lot of the issues in, involving pulls, dropping pulls, cutting books, et cetera, et cetera, um, with digital titles, it's just so easy to handle all of this. It's just so easy. Yeah. Uh, when you're dealing with physical books, you you have to worry about, if I cut the book now, um, what happens if I choose to get back on board at some point? How easy is it going to be for me to get issues? Uh, if I cut the book now, how many issues is the, is the shop going to make me eat? Uh, in order to like you know put us on you know like we good territory um etc etc uh and of course <laughs> like status none at of, your shop we good yeah we good eh, are we good yeah versus Check we not box. good we not good no no it's oh we not good oh um yeah uh believe me i'm looking at the excel spreadsheet right now um <laughs> but uh <laughs> just kidding i don't fucking know how to use that program jesus Cur- currently on blast like <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and i mean l- let's be clear um i love my local comic shop i think i buy a decent amount of books from them we do business etc cetera, etc cetera, but this is a big issue with comic book shops and let's let's be clear there are benefits to having a pull at a at a shop they're yeah, great absolutely. and if you have a great rapport with your shop those benefits are only greater but one of the failings of having a physical pull is that all of the issues surrounding dropping books or choosing to not resume books um are m- much more complicated and um a much more you know uh, drawn out issue than it would be online really uh, the last time i had to go into the shop and drop books i almost felt guilty about it <laughs> yeah oh yeah totally i felt like i had to explain to the lovely young woman behind the counter why i was dropping <laughs> yeah. squirrel girl like i do it over text uh i'm just kidding i don't do it over text that'd be bad i do it over email um <laughs> you walk into the shop and you're kind of like hey 
I didn't like this book that you have no involvement in, and I'm not going to spend money here anymore because of that. Like, yeah, that's, it's it's they are the middleman that just gets shit on when you don't like the content of a book. And not to say like you know the publisher isn't isn't feeling it at all, but it is a much smaller hit I think on the publisher than it is on the local comic book shop. Oh sure, I mean the, always the biggest issue there and and maybe some people are already conscious of this but uh if you're trying to put like spider-man back on the shelf your shop probably won't care and i'm not saying go ahead and do that without them knowing if they are okay with you doing it it's probably not going to hurt them if you want to go put a black mask book back on the shelf or an aftershock title that you don't want um that might be a bit of an issue because the likelihood that they're going to resell those titles is much lower. So, mm-hmm. just I mean, you know, that never being even a, occurred to me that that was a thing that people would do. Oh, oh, you mean like doing it without telling their shop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, of course. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's always like if they've ordered the book for me, I'm buying that book. Yeah, that's like a yeah. promise to purchase. I, almost, I'll tell them like, don't order any mm-hmm. more for me. But oh, yeah never even crossed my mind that i would put something back on the shelf well, and, and and i know that that's one of the reasons that certain shops um will not let you publicly access your pull yeah um, like until you go to actually purchase them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i mean mine i can grab i can look through i can check everything i can swap out all the covers to my delight and then go up and pay but that, that's not that's not true everywhere you know so just just be a conscientious you know shop goer pay for what's yours and if you legitimately don't want it ask and see where you can reach a middle ground but again this all ropes back into yeah if you're if you're largely digital a lot of this stuff is a non-issue yeah so in in, when it comes to dropping a book i mean what are the what are some other reasons that we're we're thinking like is it does price point come into it does like frequency of delivery is it like switching over to trade i mean i I guess it's not switching over to trade but um that does bring up kind of an interesting question what do you do when you're dropping trades because i know that if i'm buying a book in trade i'm probably never gonna stop buying that because i have a problem like it's a it's a it's an actual mental debilitating thing i guess right where i need if i'm gonna be buying something in trade like having that big physical thing means mm-hmm. that I need to just keep buying it. You know what I mean? So like dropping yeah. a trade series is is much harder in my opinion because you in my head I want the completed book. If I'm going to be buying it in like a collected format like that, that's going to sit on a shelf. Getting, you know, volumes one, two, three, and then finding out there's a four, five, and six when you're trying to explain it to someone, it's kind of weird in my opinion. I don't know. <laughs> that's, it's weird for me, that is. So I don't, I don't think I have any books that i collect and trade that i don't foresee myself buying until the very end hmm well i mean yeah i mean the only kind of stuff that i buy and trade is usually just like uh i bought like civil war 2 or something like that like or secret wars so like i only ever buy contained trades so it's never really something that i've had to think about okay Oh, you mean like it's not like vo- not volumes? You're talking about like totally like a self-contained event or something like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I never, I don't really trade weight sure. series because I'm, you know, I'm bad at economics. <laughs> so I, I have, a, I have no problem dropping five dollars well, an issue for thirty issues. But if you tell me to spend twenty five bucks on a graphic novel, suddenly I'm, 
I'm not sure I can swing that. <laughs> gotcha. like, I was going to tell you, maybe you've been out of the trade game long enough, but uh, trade waiting is no longer as financially lucrative as it used to be. That's for sure. Right. Um, yeah. For, like, everybody now. It's crazy. Um, uh, I mean, no, you, you've brought up a good point, Mike, which is, like, if you're buying a book in singles and you stop buying it or you in theory if it's like image wanted to save money or whatever for whatever reason like you can switch over to trades and, and you know you always have that sort of fail safe but you're right if you're only buying a book and trade um like and you decide you don't want it anymore like there's no other backup option other than just hunting down trades i guess so um but i've i've done it i stopped deadly class at volume three um there's at least a few other series that i've just been like yep that's that's enough for me um yeah thief of thieves i think volume four i did the same thing so it uh it it happens do you Um, hide those trades now they're not they're no longer sitting on your bookshelf (laughs) i just take a sharpie and i scratch out the part where it says volume and i scratch out the part where it has the number underneath it and then you go to the whole book and you scratch out all the references to other issues and things like that (laughs) yeah it just i I just redact the whole fucking thing it looks like a cia document (laughs) wow where'd you get this redacted copy of thief of thieves man that seems why does he keep referencing to different things and then it's blocked out i don't know it's a self-contained book fuck off i don't know what your problem is (laughs) i don't know who are you how'd you get in here he keeps talking about this like brother he had and like in the past. Yeah, I don't know. That's weird, man. It's, Jesus. Maybe maybe you just don't get comic books and then just get real gatekeepery with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just go, just go like alpha to the max. Oh yeah. I'll say you brought up price point mm-hmm. earlier, Mike, and that kind of does have an effect on how many chances I'm going to give a book. Oh yeah. And that's why I, I usually I usually give DC books more of a chance. Than I do Marvel books. Because like, I don't know, like uh, like uh, when I was reading mm-hmm. Raven, uh, it was two ninety nine for the first issue, I yeah. think, instead yeah. of four ninety nine uh, for a Marvel yeah. number one, and like I'll spend six bucks on two comics a lot faster than I'll spend ten bucks on yeah. two comics because then there's another comic you can get for four dollars. Like this economically makes sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's like an inverse correlation. Like the higher the cost, the fewer books you have to get me right, hooked. Right. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that I won't read a five dollar an issue book if it's really good, but it has to convince me that it's really good really quickly. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's kind of what I was talking about before with the number ones, like picking up that all star all excuse me, all star Batman number one from this most recent or this most recent run by Scott Snyder was really tough. Because it was three ninety nine, and it was, it was four ninety nine. No, it was four ninety nine. You're right. And it, while it did have extra pages to sort of justify the cost, um, seeing that the futuristers were going to be more expensive than a re- the regular Batman series or another DC book, put me on edge. Saying, you know, maybe I'll trade weight this. Maybe I will wait for a sale for this to come out. You know, to get this book. Because as much as I do mm-hmm. want to read it, I didn't think it justified the five dollar price point. Because one, I you know wasn't feeling John Romita Jr. art. And two, if I'm being honest, I'm not that in on the Batman stuff. I like it, but it's not something that I'm living and dying by, you know? Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, there there are. I, I know other Batman fans that are much more game to read Detective and Batman at the same time right now than mm-hmm. read um, All-Star. And I, I think some of that is just because All-Star's... 
Um, canon contributions are kind of nebulous and weird in terms of how it kind of jives with everything else right now. But um, yeah, yeah a, a $5 price point is, uh, is uh, really hard. And when you're me and the covers are gorgeous, it becomes an even bigger mess. So, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oops. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've but, bought many, many all-star Batman covers for Nick at this point, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would say for me, though, in terms of, like, what's the quickest I've cut a book, uh, for me, I think it was probably, like, Cowl at, like, issue seven... So that just shows you how fast it is for me. Like issue seven, like that's the fastest I've ever molasses. Uh, cut is what a book. you're saying, molasses. Yeah, and I mean honestly, <laughs> like like I said, you know, honestly, that boils down to like if you, you know, like I said, if you if you follow Nick White's simple uh, uh, pull pull monitoring system, uh, it uh that's that's what happens. You know, you I, I think I wrote it down here. Uh, one, try to advocate for an even keel pull. Don't add books without deleting books. Uh, two, do your research. Figure out the issue's cost, the team involved, the book's length, both in terms of pages and issues, publisher's ease in switching to trades or going digital, publisher's <laughs> tendencies to switch out art teams, use fill-in artists, and use breaks. Uh, oh, my three, goodness. Yep, sample f- first issues if you have easy ways to read it. Decide if you want it pulled and add without creating an issue gap. Um, four, know your shop's cancel cut policy and the potential penalties that accompany it. Um, so yeah, follow those four handy dandy steps and, uh, you know, I'm you gonna, won't, you won't have to worry about, I'm going to have to get those with, from you and put them in the show notes so people can live by live and die by those rules. They're yeah. Very uh, ri- ride or die by those rules, preferably, <laughs> uh, if possible, I'm, I'm accommodating, uh, whatever way works for you. But my point being is that if you invest a lot of work into deciding what goes on your pull, um, it takes a really shocking, really surprising title to turn the tide on all of that work and have you being at issue two or three and going, what in God's name have I gotten into? Um, and then if you're me and that book is Snowfall and you find out that it's going to end at nine, you just try to be, keep quiet the fact that you're going to suffer the rest of the issues in shame and not tell <laughs> anyone <laughs> that yeah, you have a, a public face to keep and uh, just eat seven issues in silence. So. Oh my. See, yeah, that's that's actually one of the thing. I, I, eating books like that where it's you kind of go... I could stop now, but I know it's only going to be this many issues. Like, if a mini series is really bad, but you're already two issues in, and you know it's going to go to five, you're kind of like, yeah, I could just keep going with this, right? Like, and then if it's like an image book in the back of your mind, you're like, you might fucking hate this, but IMC might adapt it. Do you want to be the guy with three out of the five issues who has <laughs> like future Walking Dead number one in your hands? Right, right. So. <laughs> That's it's a it's a whole thing. That was I think the quickest I've dropped a book outside of a number one, thinking that I was going to pull it long term, and then getting the number two and, or the number three, and going, mm-hmm. oh god, what have I gotten into? Was Real Heroes by Brian Hitch? I don't know if you guys read this book, but it was like his weird independent. I'm going to publish my own like book at Image. F you Marvel. Look at me doing superhero books without you. And <laughs> it was it was so weird i think it ended up canceling itself because i knew i think everyone (laughs) who was in like reading this book knew that brian hitch was kind of notoriously bad about due dates and then when you throw him over at image comics where he can do his own thing and deliver it whenever whatever pace he wants i think the first issue came out on 
uh, at the expected date the second issue came out a week late and then all the subsequent issues had like an exponentially growing time between the subsequent issues and i think by the time i got issue three i was like one what the fuck is going on two why do all of these characters feel like they're reality tv stars even though i know they're kind of supposed to be but this is really really bad because everyone fits a terrible trope or stereotype and Mm three like what am i doing brian and brian hitch should never write his own book i think i know that he's collaborated with people and has gotten a like collaboration writing credit before but i that book just weirded me out by issue three that i just was like no 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 please i remember telling my shop just because i was reading this you know when i was still in michigan so i told my shop just stop all everything with this book do not continue to buy this i don't know what is happening with this book just don't give me any more of them (laughs) It was it was bizarre. You're just telling them to cancel all potential incoming copies for like other readers too. <laughs> yeah. You're like I'm saving you. I'm saving I'm them. It. I'm yeah. burning it. It was a weird oh, book. Man. I will say that. Like I liked the idea, which was I think the idea was movie stars in an alternate universe that play superheroes move to an alternate universe or sorry, movie heroes in like our universe move to an alternate universe where instead of being celebrity actors, they're revered as actual superheroes because in Mm. that world the actual superheroes were them but they all got killed by the big bad so now somehow they have to fight this big bad without the superhero powers and all this stuff so it was it was all over the place strange book yeah yeah i think the the fastest i ever dropped a book was probably southern cross Hmm. which i think i stuck on for about six issues I was going to say, it sounds like you uh, I think it what, made six. it through the first volume and then just dropped before the second. Just about, yeah. I mean, I I read it until it started to get, like, all spooky space magic yeah, yeah. on us. No, I'm right there. I, I did the exact same thing. Because before that, it was a cool, like... Yeah, it was just, like, this, like, cool de- kind of, like, detective story in this really interesting environment and... All these weird characters. He is not gonna like to hear suddenly this. Suddenly, got like know, that's okay. It took like a ninety degree turn into Lovecraft territory. Oh, For me, it turned into like end of two thousand and one space odyssey, like trippiness, insanity, yeah. like crazy close up shot of an eyeball with colors exactly. changing. Like, and I was like, I already saw this movie. It didn't make sense then. Um, <laughs> but thanks for playing. Uh, your, your book is pretty. Uh, what else can I say? God, so, so pretty, such a good looking book, but yeah. yeah. Southern cross. I don't know. I dropped Read a Riley Rossmo one. book once and, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know why in in hindsight like i'm looking at this book called drum hellar or drum heller i think is what it's called and it was written I by alex so, yeah. link uh, with art by riley rossmo and i remember being hooked into this book because i really liked the art style and of course at the time i didn't realize that it was riley rossmo but uh i remember trying the first four issues and like ev- i feel like every time i sat down to read the book it was like it put me into this haze of foggy understanding of what anything was in the world and the story oh. was bizarre and i remember just being like the art's so good i should just keep with it and i i remember dropping it i think at issue four or five not even at the end of the arc like i couldn't even see the conclusion of the first story arc and then found out that i think it pan- it went to another six or seven or eight issues like that and that just blew my mind because i couldn't think of anyone that i would know that would like the book the story was just so fucking bizarro to me and in Hmm. hindsight now i'm thinking what if i go back and read that now 
is it going to be any better? Like a lot of these books that I'm thinking I've dropped, I wonder how, like, what would I think of them now going back and trying to read them? Um, but I don't know, like Riley Rossman was the only reason I would go back and read this Dremhalar book. So I, I don't know. It's, I don't know if you, either of you get like that where you've dropped a book and then kind of looked back and thought maybe it ended up being better than I thought at the time. Yeah, I've had a couple of those. Uh, Bitch Planet was the one for me. Mm. I read the first issue and I was like, I don't know. I want to be on board with this. I'm just not. I, I didn't have any fun reading the Brian, issue. Brian, can you hold on one second? I'm, I'm checking something here. Hold on. Yeah, Brian, sorry. That is on the, the list of books you're not allowed to not like. So, um, <laughs> oh, Xander, shit. can we cut that part? I just checked the list. It's right after Lumberjanes. Oh, I see. <laughs> We tried to screen this. I, I, I'm sorry, Xander. I, I, I saw the show notes. I saw he put it on earlier. I, I should have said something then. All right, but it is on the list. Oh, Brian, it's okay. No one is so mad I, at you. I, I didn't get a copy of that. Well, we're not mad at you, Brian. But I got news for you. There's probably more than a couple people that are. No, no. It's and that's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm all in favor of like. I'm on board theoretically with Bitch mm-hmm. Planet. I just didn't enjoy the issue gotcha. that I read. Okay. And, you know, when... I think it was... What was it? 350 an issue? Or was that 4 God, bucks? I think you're right. That was... Issue. I think One it was 350. fucking weird 350 titles. Jesus. Because Image does that with, like, Wikdiv and stuff, too. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. If someone wants to get back to us on what that weird price point is about, I would love to know please yeah it was 350 for the first issue um and i think it's 350 for all the subsequent print issues i don't know where the price point gets drawn for a lot of those books and i don't know how that comes like i would really love to talk to a creator about that and maybe we'll have to work that out for the show because does bitch planet have extra pages does it, it? does it does have extra pages mm. in the back of essays So that that may come from there. And it may come from, like, again, paying for those extra pages, paying for people to write these essays in the back. So that may be part of it. Yeah. Um, What was I going to say? Yeah, for for me, I would have to say uh, another another thing that definitely got me cutting a book was um, massive tie-ins. Like, if your book is kind of on the fence, and then they're like, hey, you know that book you read? Here's four more books you have to read, uh, or your book is going to be rendered invalidated. You can just say Marvel. No, fine. no, no, no. Like. My example is DC, sir. Yeah. Uh, I was. I wow. was. Uh, okay. I don't need the wow like that. All right, Jesus. Pump, pump the fucking brakes, Brian. I mean, I mean, I might be on that list for lumberjanes, but you are a newly like crowned member of the like not allowed to like books list. So. Um, like, oh, I hate yeah. that list. Look, if you don't like To Kill a Mockingbird too, that's okay. And if you don't like um, <laughs> Lord of the Flies, like that's fine too. Oh, I was in a play version of Lord of the Flies, and he hated so. it. So <laughs> it was. Uh, but I uh, mean, that's we can go into yeah, that another. No, day. but my my DC book was. Uh, I was actually a very big Green Lantern fan during the Jeff John days. I, I know I say this a lot, but I don't care what sort of shit people give Jeff Johns. His Green Lantern was good. And then Robert Venditti took over, and I think the teams on the other books took over, and I was still somewhat okay with it. I was reading Main Lantern, Core, and I think Red Lantern at the time, which Charles Soule was absolutely fucking uh, killing. 
And uh, then this thing called God's Head came along, and I had heard about it from Paul, because Paul's like, hey, the new gods are coming back, and of course, that's a Kirby thing. And he was really excited, and I was like, yeah, this will be interesting, but I, I, I'm not really digging uh, Venditti's Lantern, so uh, what's going to happen here? And I look, and I'm sure this is a little bit off, but it's not pure hyperbole when I say that God's Head was going to be roping together about seven to eight different titles and having one or two of its own special one-shots that you had to read as well. And I was like, that's it. This is my sign. I'm done with lanterns, packing up, packing up everything. And I literally shuttered all three books at once. I was like, that's it. Wow. That's it. Yeah. Wow. So... Well, but, okay. I mean, all of those books, like, I mean, they all of those books were so intermeshed, for better or for worse, which meant that when they were gelling, they were really gelling, and when they weren't, like, why are you reading one of the four or five or six? So, that was how I, you know, in, in darkest day and brightest night, I quit those books, they're out of sight. <laughs> uh, that was a freestyle. Uh, it's yeah. available on my new EP called uh, Songs You Shouldn't Ever Hear by Nick White. Yeah. Looking Sub-pop forward to that records. drop in 2019. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, I'm I'm just gonna say we got to wrap up. That we're just gonna wrap the episode up. I'm gonna I'm gonna just put a pin in it and say we got to be done. That's it. We've we've offended a lot of people today. We've <laughs> uh, talked about books and shit on and all sorts of things and uh, Cer- certainly called my personal taste yeah. into question. I think uh, we've made a lot of enemies today, and I'm I'm glad to be here with the two of you in our final days of comic book readership. <laughs> So, it's it's been fun. Comics aren't supposed to be fun, Brian. Jesus. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the I Read Comic Books podcast. This episode was produced by me, Mike Rappin, with editing by Xander Riggs. Special thanks this week to Brian Murray and Nick White. The music in this episode is brought to you by our favorite band in the universe, Infinity Shred. You can find Infinity Shred at infinityshred.com, as well as on Bandcamp at infinityshred.bandcamp.com. If you enjoy this show, tell someone about it. Rate us online. Write to us. Each person you tell about the show and each rating you give us lends a little more exposure to the show and helps us grow. It's also a great way to give feedback about the program we create each week for you. So go on iTunes and rate us five stars because you love us. Or if you're looking to say hi, you can email us at ircb at destroythesive.org. And if you want to talk comics with us, find the I Read Comic Books group on Goodreads. We have a monthly book club that we feature here on the show, and we have regular threads about what comics we've been reading. You can ask us questions and comment on each episode in our subreddit, ireadcomicbooks.reddit.com. The entire podcast team is on Twitter, and you can find the show at ircbpodcast for updates and ridiculous retweets. But a great way to experience the podcast, including our back issue bin of episodes and our weekly pull list posting, is to visit us at our website, ircb.us. Until next time, from all of us here at the show, thank you for listening.